Welcome to UP Tech Talk. This is Ben Kahn. I'm the Instructional Design and Technology Specialist at the University of Portland. Today I'm joined by my co-host Maria. Hey Ben. How's it going Maria? Great. Good. And today we're happy to have with us in the studio Shaz Vigili, who's an assistant professor in our Shiley School of Engineering. How's it going Shaz? Doing all right. Thank you very much for having me. We're happy to have you in here today. Uh, so in addition to being a professor in Shiley, uh, you also are a member of our Academic Technology Ambassador Program, and you're participating in our new Untethered Lecture Capture Initiative, which is bringing wireless projection into the classroom, um, along with um, lecture capture into one package, which is a pretty cool uh, initiative that we're excited to have here at the University of Portland. So obviously you have some tech bona fides, <laughs> but that said that wrong, right? Bona fides? Oof. Sounds like a bad word. Bona fides. Uh, we'll just Even edit no matter, that. We'll just no edit matter that what. <laughs> Jazz, you tech, good. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so we're happy to have you in the studio today. And I'll throw it over to Maria to ask about yeah. your project and why we have you here. Yeah, Shaz, I mean, it was great talking with you a little bit before we started the show here about what you've been doing in the classroom. But for our listeners who haven't heard yet, uh, tell us a little bit about the uh, way that you're in introducing making videos and uh, how it's benefiting your student, your students. Great. Well, um, the idea is how can we get uh, hands-on technical um, skills to in a kind of a uniform way to all the students. So imagine you're starting engineering day one and they're going to ask you to build a little widget. How do you build a widget? I thought, what if I make a video on how to build a widget? Um, and so I started with kind of very, very basics of, in this particular case, we start with uh, a circuits. So engineering circuits, how do you measure the voltage in a battery? Let's use a, use a multi, it's a tool called the multimeter. We, I made a video on how to measure the voltage in the battery. And then the next video, so each one is maybe three minutes. Some of them are up to 10 minutes at the end when they get a little more complicated. Um, and for some students, they've done this since they were 10 years old. Um, some students have never touched, have never thought about what's actually going on inside a battery. So how do you present this to students so that it can be self-paced, but also those who haven't done it before will get the chance to do it? So these were kind of like the baseline skills you wanted students to have on day one, is what you're saying? Yes and no. So what we uh, maybe at the end of first semester, this is gotcha. what we want them to want them to get. Um, so if they go through the series of videos, it's a handful of skills that'll help them to be a little more hands-on in their future classes, uh, gotcha. which is kind of one of the big themes we hear a lot is um, we want more hands-on. We want more access to hands-on. And you can't do hands-on until you have some base skills. Uh, so how do you get them all the base skills? So the did you you said you created a series of ten um, or so? There's nine videos in the first lab and six videos in the second lab. So I've made fifteen so far. And then how did you bridge that the skills gap um, of, with your students? You know, you've got some that are more advanced and some that are brand new with these uh, ideas. So what did you do? So. Um, the way we kind of run the course is we have lab time built into the course, and the students come. Hopefully, they will, they've watched the videos beforehand, but we all know that doesn't always happen. Uh, so they show up. I ask them to bring laptops. Uh, we give them the hardware. 
and they start watching the first video. Uh, some of the students in, in my section this last week, we had students that had done the first five tasks five years ago in high school or mm. three years ago in high school. So they breezed through and they got to the more challenging tasks uh, by the end of the session. The other teams weren't even able to get past, some of the other teams weren't even able to get past video six, for example. Um, so they, they ended up self-pacing. Uh, what that ends up meaning is the teams that don't complete the series will have to do it on their own time, or we have open sessions later in the semester for them to come in and, and do them on their own as well. So we'll, I guess we'll have to see how that works out since this is your first time uh, with, with, with this new practice, right? Yeah, this is the first time we're doing it uh, on this kind of a scale. I'd made a handful of videos previously for other courses, um, and they were kind of really low production value. Um, I look back at them now and I think though I could do those better. <laughs> so maybe in the future I will. Um, but this is the first time with this kind of uh, intentional effort. Now, just out of curiosity, um, do you feel that your students, well, I don't want to say can learn from videos, but, but that learning from videos would be their first choice? I mean, do you feel that your students watch a lot of YouTube, <laughs> are used to kind of consuming new knowledge in that format? I think so. Yeah, I really do. I think um, the hard part is reaching every student, right? So some students want to read a list of uh, instructions. Um, what? <laughs> they do? <laughs> you know, I'm not sure. That's what uh, that's what it seems like. I think we made these videos, and I, I was thinking as we were watching the students do it the first time, what could be the next thing to do with this project? Um I'd love to go back and kind of put notes on top of the videos where I saw students stumbling or force them to pause and do it themselves before moving on. Um, but one thing I thought of was what if I almost had like a piece of paper and on that piece of paper was timestamps of here's what you're doing at this time, right? So when they get stuck on something, they don't have to go back and watch the whole video to get to where they were stuck on they can jump to that kind of point in the time frame. Right. And I'm, there might be a way to automate that. So like, that. A, like a video or like a chapter of content. Yeah, kind of yeah, like table of contents, like yeah. Yeah, table of contents yeah. for yeah. a video. Mm -hmm. sorts. Yes. Those are all excellent ideas, and I like the annotations on top of yeah. the videos and kind of highlighting the stumbling points and, and making them pause by putting in some, I don't know, a free, free screen or something yeah. like that for a minute or whatever it is. I mean, there's a lot you can do. Yeah, yeah. it was yeah. that was something I noticed in the class when we were doing it the other day was – they were following along. They were all on task and following along, which was amazing. Um, but some of them weren't kind of stopping to think about what they were doing. They were just doing what I was showing them. Right. And a few of the teams were stopping and saying, oh, let's draw this out. And why, why didn't this work? Why didn't this did this work? Um, some of the teams were, well, this didn't work. Did we do it exactly how he wants us to? And then they did that. But that's not actually getting them to kind of think about what's working and why it's not working. They're just uh, mimicking me. And and that was a little bit of a drawback, but yeah, that would happen in any case. Right. So taking a step back, like before you had made the videos for this, what did the class kind of look like um, in terms of like, were you demonstrating and having everyone just kind of follow along, follow along at the same pace? Mm -hmm. um, so the, the way the class, the way the labs used to run was it was mostly handout. So on piece of paper, um, the students would kind of follow the steps, uh, but 
uh, it was you know a two dimensional image of a three dimensional thing or a static image of a dynamic thing, um, and so that was one one way it worked. And it was also uh, an instructor kind of having the students uh, trying to kind of monitor the students while they were doing what was on the, on the piece of paper. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't kind of small chunks. It was like, here's a four-page handout, continue through it. Whereas the video kind of naturally, three minutes in, you finish one task, and now, okay, let's move on to the next task. Mm-hmm. Um, I found that to be a really helpful thing, is kind of modularizing it. That's a, I think that's a way to put it. Yeah. I think so. So the format didn't really... Of how the of how the lab is taught didn't really dramatically change. It was just the media that you're using to deliver the instruction. Absolutely, um, yeah, was a better fit. Yeah, for it you. was able to like float and help the stragglers and things yeah. like that. You, yeah, so I'm helping. I'm making sure they're doing it right. I'm making sure. I'm asking them questions to make sure. I'm trying to keep the whole team engaged. That's a little bit of a challenge. Still, there's four people per team um, watching a video together, performing a task together. So, four. If we could get it, and because the videos are available, right, one person could do it by themselves in the dorm room. Um, that's that was a, a a common thing that I saw, um, and yeah, but you're right. The medium was really the only kind of thing that changed, and I think the big thing is there's uniformity, right? Mm-hmm. So um, they're all watching the same videos, so it's not like I forgot to say something in this class and I remembered to say it in this class. They're all kind of getting it. Did you say there 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 are seven sections? Seven of sections of this course, and there's like you said like sixty students per. Is that right? thirty thirty students per okay. section? So the way we have it set up is seven sections of the course, eight teams per section. So that's about sixty teams total. Okay, sixty yeah. teams total. So mm-hmm. it's a pretty huge scale. Yeah, it'd be pretty daunting to try to have that kind of consistency to deliver in person. I think the consistency was the major motivation was to, uh, and also, I mean, uh, a little bit of faculty burden, right? So the videos can be uh, presented once. Um, The videos can be prepared once Mm -hmm. uh, and faculty can, and then it's all delivered. So then faculty can be responsible for helping the students along instead of um, kind of delivering it. Uh, from scratch every time. Right. So when do you think you'll start getting some feedback from your students? You know, I was thinking about that the other day. What, what The hard part is the current students don't know how it was done before. <laughs> so I don't know how to really get that. Um, I can say my feeling as an instructor, which isn't always enough information, but uh, I saw them really getting it. Uh, this year relative to uh, what I saw, what I've seen in the past. Um, and it helped a lot. And I, in the other class I teach, where we put in a few videos, it's a senior course. And when they're seniors, you let them watch a video, you're there to ask questions, and you kind of force them to just um, do it on their own. And that uh, really, really has worked really well. Mm. Well, I guess... Um you'll one measure will be how they do on exams or how, what quality of of their projects that they turn in i mean that would be one measure that would be one measure um yeah. this course the freshman course doesn't have any exams um but it has a course project and the the each of these so there's nine videos in the circuits module six videos in the software module um i don't think i'm going to be making as many videos for the other ones those are going to probably stay on paper just 
of the semester has already started and it's hard to change things during the semester. Mm-hmm. Um, but they end up with four modules and those four modules turn into their course project. So hopefully they've kind of gotten the skills to take it one step further to the course project. The, I think the biggest metric uh, will be how many questions we get for, relative to last year. Uh, and it was static. That was one of the inspirations was we're getting so many questions on how to do things for the course project that I thought, what is there a better way to kind of send out this instruction? Um, and just, I mean, it's not dynamic as in they can't ask the video a question and get a response depending on their uh, question, but it's more dynamic than the, the piece of paper. Uh, and it's kind of shorter, more digestible parts. So I, they've watched a video and I think they got it. Hopefully, if they did the task that they were supposed to do. Okay, so we've learned a bit about kind of the course and how the students are interacting with the material that you're creating. Uh, Can we dive a little bit into kind of your process and how you're creating these videos? Mm -hmm. Because when I was in your office looking at your kind of DIY setup (laughs) and your like roll cage that you had built and stuff, uh, it was pretty cool. So see if we can share some of that with those. Yeah, so it's it's actually just been a lot of fun. Um, So I started with just a tripod on my desk facing my desk kind of at an angle with my hands doing a task. Um, and if, if, again, to, sorry to interrupt again, but to back up a little bit. So you're needing to show both like a circuit board that you're wiring yeah. together mm-hmm. and then also like a um, programming console on a computer screen where mm-hmm. you're typing in commands and things like that, right? Exactly, yeah. Okay. So, uh, yeah. So to give a little background, uh, for one of the examples, we program, we take a little circuit board and a little computer, a little mini computer called an Arduino and we connect them together. And like a classic first example is uh, use an LED and some wires, and then you program the Arduino to make the LED blink in some predefined pattern. You Mm -hmm. can pick, for example, you'll turn it on for a second, turn it off for two seconds, turn it on for a second, turn it off for two seconds. So it involves a little bit of hardware. So the the video shows me setting up the circuit, plugging things in the right way, explaining where you plug them in and how the differences. And then you would switch over to a computer screencast kind of thing, and you write the code, and you explain why what you what you wrote in here corresponds to what you plugged it into over there uh, on the board, something like that. Um, so that's kind of the, the way the video would go. And the way I kind of made the videos was I had a tri- initially I had a tripod facing my desk, uh, did the hardware, and then I switched over to the computer screencast. Um, my, I was, I've become uh, obsessed with this <laughs> YouTube channel called Tasty, in which they make instructional videos on cooking. Um, little short, little thirty-minute videos set to really cheesy music, uh, very unhealthy food it seems, <laughs> and um, they always filmed overhead, so directly down. Um, and my wife one day was like, well, why don't you just make an overhead camera rig for your thing? Or what she said initially, wouldn't an overhead camera rig be a good idea? Um, and then she just looked online, overhead camera rig, and see if you can buy one on Amazon <laughs> for 50 bucks. And um, we found, you know, kind of ideas on, you know, I could probably make one myself. Uh, so I went to Ace, uh, bought <laughs> two eight-foot lengths of PVC pipe, some um, PVC corner uh, like kind of um, connectors 
and I made just basically a PVC cube that's roughly three feet by three feet by three feet. Uh, and I took one of those old gorilla pods. I had one at uh, my house um, that just kind of wraps around one of the legs and can hold a camera right where I want it to. It has uh, two degrees of motion, so I can move it uh, left and right, and I can move it front and back. I can't really move it up and down, but the zoom function on the camera does that for me. Hmm. Um, that's my, yeah, and that's been pretty cool. And then I just, I do all the uh, screencasting with Camtasia, uh, which is available, I guess I didn't know that it was until recently, until mm-hmm. I started doing this, uh, but uh, it's available at UP. There's a license, I guess, that I don't mm-hmm. have to. Yeah, any faculty can get it on their work computer. Mm-hmm. And um, so I've been just doing that on my Surface, uh, my UP-owned computer. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seems to do okay with it when it's plugged into its dock. Um, yeah, it's not computationally too expensive, too intense or anything. It doesn't sure. seem to be. Yeah. Um, the editing has been. So I'll make the video. At first, I was. Oh, this is a good. I think this is good tips. Um, at first, I was kind of obsessed with making the when I was making the videos, doing them perfectly. Um, I would stop and redo it if I coughed or if something didn't work right. And then slowly I figured out that I can just edit anything out. (laughs) Um, So now the post-processing has, uh, the the time for that's gone up, but the overall time has gone down a lot. Because I I just, you know, the first minute of the video was perfect, but the I messed up in the middle. Let me just delete that and make a new section. Mm-hmm. The latest thing I've been doing is I said the wrong thing. Like oh. I said, oh, the value should be 200. And when the the value should actually be 400 because mm-hmm. I was trying to do mental math real quick. Um, so I just go in and record my voice saying the ni- the number 200. <laughs> That's great. And I just <laughs> overlay it <laughs> so I don't have to do any extra work that way. Um, it sounds funny because the volumes don't match up. Perfectly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and like one of those phone trees or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's been fun. Awesome. And then so the product of that, I know one thing that you were kind of talking about was because you have a software piece that's happening on a computer screen and a... Oh, yeah you know, IRL physical piece mm-hmm. that's actually like getting your hands on with a piece mm-hmm. of um, circuit board, mm-hmm. you're able to kind of show those at the same time, right? And then they, they can actually see the cause and effect happen in real time. Um, do you think that's something that kind of enhances the the learning? Uh, absolutely. So um, I guess just for a little context, for example, we that blinking project we were just talking about, I write the code and I set it up so that... Um, the main screen is the code, the interface with the program, and the a small subscreen, so kind of like a split screen, is the just overhead camera watching the circuit board. So you can hit, uh, essentially you hit upload or run or whatever, and then it sends the program to the board, and all of a sudden you see the LED in the video. You see the LED flashing with the pattern you told it to. And it definitely, like that immediate oh, yes, it does work. It's going to work if I do it right. It's mm-hmm. um, it's it's really kind of neat for the students to see. They haven't done those videos yet, the ones where that kind of stuff is going to happen. Um, so, But what I've seen in the previous videos is they really like to see that things actually do what you what it's supposed to do. Right? It's, it's really easy when something's kind of a black box that says, oh, it works. But when you start getting into the black box... <clears throat> and you can manipulate it, 
mm-hmm. and then it responds the way you intended it to respond, it it kind of opens up like, oh, I have some power here. I can I can maybe do these things. I can get it to do what I want it to do. Um, and that is really satisfying for students is I'm actually learning the skill to do something with this. And I can, I can so where, what can I do with it next? Yeah. yeah. Super cool. Mm-hmm. Hey, Shaz, well, thank you for coming on and um, sharing a little bit about your project with us. Uh, so while we have you here, we're going to have you do our tech pick of the week, <laughs> which is a fun segment where we go around and talk about a mobile phone app or a piece of software, or a piece of hardware, gadget, whatever. That's kind of been fun for us to play around with in the last couple weeks or months. Uh, Maria, do you have a pick today that you wanted to do? I do. <clears throat> I'm just going to say plus one for the Southwest Airlines app. Really? Yes, because day. I am flying to Phoenix <laughs> tomorrow. Uh, at 7.15 p.m., so my 24-hour check-in will be 7.15 p.m. tonight, but I'll be in Dr. Green's class, oh. and uh, fortunately, I'll have my phone ready to go with my <laughs> with my confirmation <laughs> number and everything, so all I have to do is kind of look down and hide my phone yeah. and uh, press confirm. And, uh, and get my boarding pass all ready to go really for cool. tomorrow. Yeah. So I'm going to say I'm really glad that I have that on my phone right now. Well, that's a cool one, yeah. yeah. I think I used the United one the last time I traveled, and it was a lifesaver because I ended up having my flight diverted and having to stay overnight in, like, a suburb of Toronto <laughs> on, my way to, on my way to Salzburg. So yeah. I was in that app. It was, like, literally all I had was my phone and the clothes on my back. Yeah. So. <laughs> cool. Uh, Shaz, do you have one to share? I had before when we were talking about this before. I, I thought of uh, OneNote, uh, yeah. which is uh, I do all of my lecture notes in OneNote now, and uh, the ability to move things around uh, digitally without having to, you know, because I do it all with a pen in OneNote. Oh, um, mm-hmm. so I handwrite my math equations and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So uh, doing that on paper was not pleasant when you want to move sections around. Yeah. Um, but then I just. The one other one I thought of really quickly while we were talking was uh, we just moved, and the house we moved into has a Nest thermostat, one of those oh, fancy yeah. thermostats. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. And the world is different, I got to tell you. When you can <laughs> really? when you can control your thermostat from your phone, oh yeah, no need yeah. to get up from the couch ever. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it's pretty cool. Yeah, so. wow. Well, total aside, I went to a lecture um, from. Professor Two, who's teaching a, a uh, elective in engineering on mm-hmm. earthquake resiliency. Mm-hmm. Um, so they had a guest lecturer come in who was talking about Japan and their resiliency efforts after the tsunami mm-hmm. in 2011. Mm-hmm. And basically, what they're because they're um, trying to scale down their nuclear energy use mm-hmm. in that oh. country. Um, so their solution basically was to like smart home everything. Mm-hmm. So that's actually saved them something like 20 percent wow. on their electricity just yeah. from these wow. initiatives. So pretty cool stuff. It is neat stuff. Cool. Well, for my pick, I'm going to go with sort of a random one, um, but that kind of saved me the other day, and it's called Amphetamine, and it's something that can run on your (laughs) Mac. All it does is keep your Mac from going to sleep. So if you're giving, like, a lecture or a talk or anything like that, um, you know, there are settings where you can do that um, in the Mac just from the system preferences, but it can be kind of hard to get to. It's not super, um, you know, quick and easy to find that setting and turn it on and then if you forget to turn it off forget about it um so this is just a little thing that sits in your taskbar and you can just toggle it on and off so it's super easy it's a good tip okay well thanks again to maria and to shaz and thanks for tuning in see you next time bye
AP Tech Talk is a bi-monthly podcast with co-hosts Ben Kahn and Maria Erb of Academic Technology Services and Innovation that explores the use of technology in the classroom. One conversation at a time. We invite you to subscribe to the show on iTunes and Apple Podcasts or Google Play Music. To continue the conversation with us on social media, you can find Ben on Twitter at TheBenCon and Maria at HerbFarm. If you'd like to hear more episodes, please visit our website at sites.up.edu slash techtalk. And browse our archives for dozens of episodes featuring great conversations with our UP faculty guests.